Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for First St. Charles United Methodist Church in downtown St. Charles, Missouri. We are so glad that you're here, and it's our prayer that you feel safe, welcome, and wanted in this space. If you're interested in finding out more about us or supporting our ministries, you can connect with us online at firststcharlesumc.org. 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 through 19. As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. This is what the Spirit would have us know for the changing of our lives. Thanks be to God. A recent edition of Business Insider zeroed in on the one key difference between those who are rich and those who are not. Those who are rich, they said, make a financial plan and stick to it. Have you made a plan? Where's God in the plan? That's our question. Where's God in your plan? Today we continue our series, Keeping the Change, as we zero in on what it takes to keep going with those spiritual changes that God would work in our lives. We all have some relationship with our money, though I realize that some of us are barely on speaking terms. And like all relationships, our relationship with money changes over time. It's occurred to me that if I live long enough, I will have known at least 10 stages in my financial life as an adult. First is what I call my pot pie stage. This was right after college, while I was newly married and in graduate school. We lived a life defined much more by scarcity than abundance. Our budget for a whole week's grocery was $25 for both of us. And to get us there, we ate an inordinate and ungodly amount of pot pies. And not just your average pot pies. We're talking the 25 cents a piece generic pot pies with a couple of chunks of pressed meat and a few random peas and carrots. To this day, just the thought of generic pot pies makes me ill. Have you had your own pot pie stage? Fortunately, there followed for me my first real job and an income. It was followed by the purchase of a real house. A fourth stage came when there were kids and the added expense of diapers and daycare and the joy that came from moving beyond those previous stages. Fifth, I remember purchasing my first new car, not just new to me car, but a brand new vehicle, though I'm sorry to say it was a Saturn. A sixth stage came when my kids entered college, and a seventh came when I wrote my last check to Mizzou 
paying off my daughter's last payment. As I wrote that check, I realized that for the very first time in my adult life, no other human being was financially dependent on me. I was free, free, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I was free. An eighth stage, now it's all about moving toward the final stages, retirement and health care and hopefully leaving some kind of financial legacy. As I said last week, to my children, to my wife, should she outlive me, and for my church. Can you trace your own journey through circumstantial financial stages? Where's God been in the mix? Is your giving more determined by your circumstance or by your spiritual commitments? Several years ago, we went through a building campaign here at our church. Our consultant at the time, Rusty Lewis, helped me understand that in our giving, persons may move through as many as five stages of spiritual commitment. First, there's that of the initial giver. This is someone who connects with the church, and whether because they think it's expected or because they had a good experience, gives a one-time gift to the church. Whatever the amount, it can be $5 or $100. But you've got to start somewhere, and everyone who gives has made their start. About two-fifths of all givers to this church are one and done, or give only when they come in person. In a more move beyond that stage, Many move to become a consistent giver, weekly, monthly. This is what I love most about online giving. I set up my account once a year, and it happens automatically. But that requires some intentionality. Being an intentional giver is the third stage. Maybe we remember that the pastor said that all members are expected to give a tithe or 10%. And we decide to intentionally increase until we can get to that mark. Or better yet, we decide that we're going to be as intentional in our relationship with our giving as we want to be in the rest of our spiritual lives. That stage is followed by those who decide to be a sacrificial giver. This is the person who gives in a way that means they're giving up something else. And in order to do this for God means I'm not doing that for me. Can you imagine yourself at this stage? Last but not least, there are those who want to be a legacy giver. This is someone who has given over a lifetime but wants to give beyond their lifetime. A gift that outlives them. Have you thought about what that might look like for you? Both in our circumstantial financial lives and in our spiritually fiscal lives, we experience change. How can we keep the change we want to keep going with the change and grow through it? Change is the constant. How do we keep 
the spiritual change that we want. And where's God in the mix? Our text today has the author of Timothy writing, those who in the present age are rich. We need to unpack this. First, the present age. The New Testament writers consistently thought about the world as going through stages and us with those stages. In essence, circumstantial change. Uh, Ten years ago, I was being considered for a job as the senior pastor of a church. It was a marvelous church, and I could easily imagine myself as being their pastor. I wanted so much to be that church's pastor. My name was put forward to the bishop, and I was number, his number one choice. I went home that night and called my wife, overjoyed with the possibilities. Some of you who know me well won't be surprised that I even sat down and sketched out a plan for my first year at the church. I was going to be the senior pastor of the church of my dreams. Then I went to the conference office the next day and the plans for the church's current pastor to be moved elsewhere unraveled and all my hopes and dreams collapsed in on me in about a three-minute period of time. There would be no move for me that year. Well, the next year, because my term as a district superintendent was up and I had to be moved, I knew I was going somewhere. Various places were considered. The bishop talked with me privately about three of them. Colleagues asked me, how I could be so common at all, especially after the great disappointment the previous year. I used a financial analogy at the time saying, stock rises, stock falls, blessed be the name of the Lord. In other words, we can't control the circumstances. We can control how we respond in the mix. Well, you all know the rest of the story because you know how I ended up being appointed here. What you may not know was that the church that I almost went to the year before, the one that I really, really wanted that was the greatest church ever but I didn't get that year, was this church. I got here, just not on my timetable. How do you deal with the changes imposed by the present age, the present circumstances of our lives. Stock rises, stock falls. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This too shall pass. The second part in the author's direction to those who are rich, those who, the author says, in this present age are rich. Well, this is where most of us tune out. We're not rich. We identify more with those who eat pot pies than generic ones. The ones who live claiming more scarcity than abundance. One of the real spiritual traps in reading Scripture is to read ourselves out of the story. This is about somebody else, not me. 
So we tune off and tune out. But would the author have thought us rich? Do you have more than a one-room house? Do you have more food than just enough for your next meal? He would have thought us rich. Do you have more than two outfits? Goodness, I've got clothes in five closets and it's an embarrassment to me that I can't bring myself to throw away or give away clothes. I guess I'm rich. Mostly, it was the rich who could read or afford to have their children educated enough to read. If you traveled more than a hundred miles from home, to the writer of Timothy, we are the rich. To us, the writer gives these four directions. First, don't set your hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Where's God in the mix? We're focused on hoping in God who is the source of everything we enjoy. Second, do good. Be rich in good works, generous and ready to share. It's not just about us. Life is meant for the sharing. No one focuses on God without also sharing with their neighbor. Verse 19, thus storing up for yourselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future. When we invest in others, we're securing our own future. And fourth, so that you may take hold of the life that really is life. This is what it's all about. It's life here and now, life authentically, life abundantly, the life that really is life. I'm fairly sure I've told you the story that Fred Craddock tells about a friend and his family who were missionaries in China. And they were, at some point, put under house arrest. One day they were told that they could return home to America and had 24 hours to pack. They could only carry with them 200 pounds. The husband and wife and their children had lived in China for years. What would they decide to bring? They took their scales and began to weigh. They chose and chose and weighed and weighed until they had exactly 200 pounds. Typewriter, vase, essential clothes, 200 pounds to the ounce. When they met the soldier at the airport, the soldier asked, ready to go? Yes. Did you weigh everything? Yes. Did you weigh the children? The children? Weigh the children, he said. And in an instant, Craddock says, the typewriter, the vase, the clothes, they were nothing. When we weigh it all out, And add it all up. With what are we left? We're left with God. This is my financial plan. I'm sticking with it. And I'm as rich as I could be.